The story you're about to hear is true. Names won't be changed and, thankfully, doesn't require a detective. It's a story that's good news for those who have felt like they're always on the fringes, but bad for those who want their faith to look, talk, smell, and behave a certain way. That's because Jesus says, To become part of the kingdom of God is not for one select group of people. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. If you consider yourself a follower of Christ, you've been called to serve as a type of net to help bring others from all walks of life into God's kingdom. And this week, Charles Tapp wraps up with the final part of his series, Keys to the Kingdom, as he shares his message, Dragnet. Today, we are concluding our series that we've titled Keys to the Kingdom. And when I say conclude, I'm not saying that we have completely exhausted everything there is to know about the kingdom of God, for that would take literally an eternity. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, as we've learned over these past several weeks, we're talking about how God desires as well as deserves to reign completely in each and every one of our lives. So simply put, the kingdom of God is not about a place as much as it is about the place that God desires to hold in our hearts. And probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture that expounds on the kingdom of God is found in Matthew 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek ye first, we, we know this, right? The kingdom of God. But I want us to read it today in more detailed what the scripture is actually conveying. But look at what it says here in Matthew 6, verse 33 from the Amplified Version. But first and most importantly, seek. In other words, aim at, strive after his what? Kingdom and his righteousness. Meaning his way of doing and being right. It means having the attitude and the character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. And the, all these things that Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 6, he's talking about all the things that you and I need for our everyday lives. And he lists them, food and clothes and shelter and all these things. So in essence, he's saying all these things are good and all these things are fine and all these things are needed, but the most important thing we need in this life is to aim to seek after the kingdom of God. He is simply saying here that the place that the kingdom of God is to have in my life and in your life is to be our primary pursuit. Yes, get a career, seek after that, that's fine. Seek a life partner, that's good. But the most important pursuit that you and I need to have as believers in this life is not the things of this world. But he says at the top of our pursuit list should be our desire to seek for, to aim after, to strive, to obtain what? The kingdom 
of God. And again, it's not a place he's talking about. He's talking about striving after the place that he desires to have in your life and in my life. Second purpose for this series, Keys of the Kingdom, is because I wanted us to get a a better understanding of the nature of the kingdom of God. Jesus refers to the nature as the mystery of the kingdom of God. And in biblical terms, mystery is not something that is hidden to the point that it can never be found, that it can never be understood. But in biblical terms, mystery is simply what God's purpose has been for you and me from the beginning of time, and now he has chosen to reveal it. And the reason why these kingdom parables are so important is because they help to serve as keys to unlock this mystery of what the nature of God's kingdom is really all about. And as we've discovered over these last several weeks in in looking at this series, that is extremely important. Because from the Old Testament times through the time of Jesus and even to our times today, there has been a confusion when it comes to understanding what the kingdom of God is really all about. And until you and I are able to fully grasp the meaning of what Jesus means when he says the kingdom of God is within you, we will miss out on the present reality as well as the future hope of God's kingdom that he has in store for each and every one of us. Which brings us to our final parable that we want to examine today in our message. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to verse 50. Look at what it says. Again, and Jesus says again because previously he has shared six other kingdom parables. Again, the kingdom of heaven, also meaning the kingdom of God, is like a what? A dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. The sum is talking about fish. Which when it was full, talking about the net, they drew it to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. Verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age, at the end of time, at the end of this phase of the kingdom of God. The angels will come forth, separate what? The wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. Then Jesus says there will be what? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. One of the first things I noticed in looking at this parable, and I'm sure you picked it up as well, is that it sounds somewhat familiar to the parable of the sower. We know the parable of the sower, how he sowed seeds indiscriminately everywhere. This seed representing the word of God. And as Jesus tells us in that parable of the sower, some seed fell on good or fertile ground. Other seed fell on ground that was not so fertile and did not take root, thereby not bearing any fruit. 
This net here in this parable is also symbolic of the word of God or the gospel, which also is given indiscriminately in its function as well. The word dragnet here, that's how it's translated in the Greek. It is exactly the kind of net that they use many times when they would go fishing. They would tie the net to the back of the boat and they would literally drag it through the water, catching whatever was in its path. When I was a child, one of my favorite TV programs was Dragnet. I know I'm showing my age now. How many of you remember Dragnet? Are you kidding me? Better question. How many of you do not remember Dragnet? Oh my gosh. It seems like more have no idea what I'm talking about than do. But when you get home tonight, go on YouTube and put in Dragnet and you'll see it and you will be hooked for life. Trust me. But Dragnet was a series about a police sergeant by the name of Joe Friday, played by actor Jack Webb. And my favorite part of the show was the narration that began at the end, which would go something like this. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. And then they would play this iconic music bed under it. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> this was cool. And every week I would sit there and watch Dragnet. But what I didn't realize at the time was this. Why did they name this series Dragnet? Dragnet is actually a police term which refers to a series of measures that police use to apprehend criminals, like setting up roadblocks or setting up traffic stops or just having an increased presence of police activity. All these things together form this net, this series of calculated measures that law enforcement uses to catch criminals. But here's the thing about a dragnet. It not only catches the bad, Sometimes the good get caught up in the net as well. So in selecting the word to describe this style of policing, law enforcement chose a fishing term, dragnet, because of the net's ability to catch any and everything in its path. That's why in verse 47 of Matthew 13, Jesus says that once this net was cast into the sea, it caught fish of every kind. And if the net represents the gospel, then the fish represent the people throughout the world of every nationality, of every hue, of every background known to man. Here's what this parable really enforces, that the invitation that God gives through Jesus Christ to become part of the kingdom of God is not for one select 
group of people. Do I need to say it again? But it catches some of everyone, regardless of their background, even catches those that God knows has no intention of staying with him in the first place. That just again reveals to us the depth of the love and the heart of God. But herein lies a danger that many churches are falling into, especially in the times in which we are now living. They are using a certain type of bait to catch a certain type of fish. In other words, they are being selected in who they want to be a part of their church. If any of you have done any kind of fishing, you know that in order to catch some kind of fish, you've got to have a certain kind of bait. But Jesus says the gospel is not bait. The gospel is a net. The gospel catches everything. But some churches today are predetermining who will make up the membership of their church. So they'll use a particular bait that will only catch a certain kind of fish. But Jesus says the gospel is not bait. It is not selective. Every and anything will be caught up in this net regardless of one's social economic background, regardless of one's culture, regardless of one's race. The gospel is for all. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Dragnet. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And as followers of Christ, we're to serve as nets that will help bring others from all walks of life into God's kingdom. Charles Tapp shares what this looks like as he shares the rest of his message, Dragnet. And here's where we need to be brutally honest with ourselves. And I mean this, folks, because we are in the time where we don't need to play. We don't need any more performers on the rostrum. We don't need any comedians in the pulpit. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are certain people, if they walked in this church today and proclaimed that they wanted to be part of the kingdom of God and join this church, some of us would feel uncomfortable that they were here. We may allow them to come in, but would we really feel comfortable in having them him here based on where they came from, based on where they derived from, based on how they smell? I'll never forget, you know, I lived in New York, a pastor there for several years, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. 
But the pastor of that church, Jim Cimbala, tells a story in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And it's this huge church, and they have many throughout the country, but this church has four services of about 3,000 people every weekend. Their prayer meeting has about 2,000 people on Tuesday night. I am not exaggerating. You have to actually go there to see it. But he tells the story of one day how when he was preaching, he saw a stranger walk through the door of the church and walk down the aisle and gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was someone who was homeless, who looked homeless, who smelled homeless. His beard, you know how they have all the crust and stuff in the beard, and like he'd been sleeping on the street for days? You know why he looked that way? Because he had. And as he walked down and gave his heart to Jesus Christ, Cymbala prayed for him, and then the guy stood up and gave him a big hug. And in hugging him, Pastor Jim says he smelled everything that was in the street. For every odor that New York Street had, this man had within his clothing. But he said in in holding him and smelling him, it was the sweetest smell, the sweetest aroma he had ever encountered. Because it was the aroma of someone being caught in the net, responding to the gospel. The gospel is a net. Let me just clear up for a moment what the Bible means when it talks about gospel. For some of us think the gospel is really one thing and it's not. First of all, the gospel is not doctrine. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not tradition. That is not the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that there is an answer for the miserable condition of our world, that the cause of all the world's misery, longing, and loneliness as a result of sin will never be eradicated by the hand of man but it will be eradicated by the person of Jesus Christ. Every longing that you have will never be fulfilled in this life by the things of this world. The only answer, the good news, is the gospel that Jesus Christ is the answer. That's what the gospel is. The gospel's not doctrine. The gospel's not state of the dead. The gospel's not the Sabbath. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, amen? Listen to this terminology. I will do what? Draw all men unto me. In other words, you preach me, they'll get caught in this net, and they'll be drawn into the kingdom of God. That's what the gospel is. All the rest of the stuff is good, but if it's not put in the context of the saving power of Christ, it's legalism. And by lifting up Jesus, it creates a mixed community of the kingdom of God. And the church should be a reflection of that community as well. Verses 48 and 49 say that when the net was full, They sat down, collected the good fish, put them into vessels, but threw away the bad. But then Jesus makes a startling statement. Listen. He says, this is how it will be. 
at the end of the age, at the end of time, before the ushering in of my kingdom in all of its fullness when I return. This is how it will be, how what would be. There's this idea in this parable, which we call dragnet, which introduces the idea of judgment or separation. It is a message that we rarely hear in many of our churches today, that there's actually a time when God is going to separate the good from the bad. And the separation is what is symbolic here of the judgment, where they took the good fish and put them in a vessel, then they took the bad fish, and that Jesus says they threw them away. And as I read this, I asked myself the question, isn't this the same message of the wheat and the tares? You would think so at first glance. But here's the difference. The weeds, the tare that were planted there with the wheat, Jesus says, an enemy put them there to choke out the life of the wheat. That weed is a weed by nature. It was born bad. It is ultimately bad. It is a weed, period. Can be nothing else other than a weed. It may resemble wheat, but it is weed. But when you look at the word bad in this parable of the net, the word that is used here is the word sepros. It means bad, but not in the sense of the wheat and the tares. This word simply means that it was once good, but has gone bad. Jesus uses this same word in Luke chapter 4 when he talks about fruit. He says, a good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a bad tree bringeth forth bad fruit. My students at WAU know I love bananas. I told them one day, I love bananas. After I told them that I love bananas, the next day I walked in class, and I'm not exaggerating, I had about 20 bananas on my desk. Some of these students even took a magic permanent marker and wrote on the peeling of the banana their names so that I could have an idea of who gave me the bananas. Thinking, I don't know what would make them think this, thinking that I would give them extra credit. Not, but it was a good try. But here's the thing about bananas especially. You can get them at the store, and sometimes they can be green. You ever see those green bananas? I'll take them home, and then they'll start to ripe. But if you leave them out too long, what happens? What was once good turns what? Bad. And that's what this word implies here. It's not talking about bad by nature, but it's talking about something that was once in a healthy state, but now it has turned bad it is now rotten. So that being the case then, when Jesus talks about these bad fish, who are these people that represent the bad fish? Please do not miss this. These are those who, although they made a commitment to place their faith in God, over time lost it and walked away from the truth. In other words, 
They lost their faith. And here's the thing about salvation and faith. Our salvation is inextricably tied to our faith. That's why Paul says, for by grace are you saved. How? Through faith. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end might be saved. Endures what? Their faith endures. Their faith perseveres. So in describing the good versus the bad fish, he could have easily said the faithful ones versus those who are now unfaithful who have lost their faith. Years ago, I read a book because I saw the title and it intrigued me. The title was, If Grace is True, Then Everyone Should Go to Heaven. In essence, they are espousing this universalistic theology that says, regardless of what you do or what happens in this life, as long as Christ has died, Grace covers everybody for everything, for all times. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot walk away. You are saved, once saved, always saved. Have you heard that? Well, see, that's simply not true. Because if grace covers everyone, that means Lucifer will be in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. If he's there, I'd rather stay here. Because I've had enough dealing with him in this life than have to deal with him in the kingdom of God. There is no once saved, always saved theology. There is a false theology. And our salvation depends on persevering, holding on to our faith in God. It is not our works that will save us. It is our faith. And that is why the enemy's goal is to destroy our faith. Because he knows if he destroys our faith, then he will destroy us. Look at what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 3, as we prepare to close here, verses 12 to verse 14, the writer of the Hebrews says, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you and in any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief. In doing what? Departing from the living God. So this is what we said. But do what? Exhort one another how? Daily. In other words, encourage one another, lift one another up daily, lest any of you be what? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14. For we have become partakers of whom? Christ. If we do what? Hold. In other words, persevere. The beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. In other words, the writer to the Hebrews is saying that because the enemy's goal is to be like the weed to destroy our faith in God, you and I need to lift one another up. Do we not? And that's what's so encouraging about the body of Christ. But in order for us to do that, we've got to be honest with one another. We've got to be transparent with one another. Because the enemy's goal is to destroy our faith because he knows once he's done that, we are lost. But here's what I'll leave you with today. The most effective net of the gospel 
that can be used to draw people into the kingdom is not preaching from a desk or teaching from a lectern. The most powerful, effective net is the power of Christian influence lived out in our lives from day to day. But we need to encourage one another. And when we begin to do that, it will build up the body of Christ in such a way that it will be like a net that will draw those who are in search for the answer to this world's problems. It is not in politics or government. It is in Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation that he offers, which is the kingdom of God now and the kingdom of God that is to come. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Dragnet. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. The issue is not how much faith you have or how much faith I have. The issue is where we put our faith. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp begins a new series of messages titled The Heart of Christianity with Part 1, The Heart of the Matter. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care or any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.